Amen, amen, amen. Hey, hey, before you sit, before you sit, um, I need you to move around a little bit. Say hi to somebody, high five, fist bump, uh, elbows, something like that if you're carrying the plague. Um, make sure you visit our cafe for a minute, grab another cup of coffee, move your arms, do some push-ups, something, wake up. Good, high five. One more week, one more week, and then one more week after that. <laughs> All right. We good? Are we loose? Yes, so maybe. Hey, listen, because we don't have screens today, I need you to, I need you to be flexible with me. Um, not quite sure why we uh, every once in a while don't have screens, but we are working on figuring out what the deal is with that. Um, so just be flexible with me, and you, you're going to need a Bible today because I'm going to be all over the map. We're going to read the whole Bible today pretty much, okay? This is going to be a while. Buckle up. We're going to be here all day. Um, but... Seriously, it'll help you. We'll get you done. We'll get you done today, Rich. Um, but you need a Bible. And if you, uh, if you got a phone, go use, use the YouVersion Bible app or Bible Gateway or something like that. Or if you brought one today, that's awesome. Um, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 5, and then we're going to just be all over the place after that. So Matthew chapter 5, where we're going to head, and then, uh, yeah, pretty much the, the rest of the Bible too. So, so buckle up. Um, who, who is here is like up for a challenge? You guys, like, you like challenge. I, I'm not convinced at all, actually, Amanda. Like, <laughs> come on now. Who's up for a challenge? A couple half-hearted people, and then all in. Yes. Man, I love a good challenge. I issued you guys um, a challenge a couple weeks ago. Remember this? Memorize First John chapter 4. And crickets. Like, we're just going to pretend we didn't hear that. Like, no. Um, ha- have you guys tried? Anybody here has been trying to do this? One, two, right here, Jen. I know, Jen's been working on it at work. I love it. Um, me too. I've been working on this. Listen, I, I have, when I was a kid, I memorized a bunch of scripture. Um, in fact, I had so many things in my mind memorized in my mind. Mem- what? What just happened? In my mind memorized? Where else would you memorize this stuff at? <laughs> anyway, um, and then I started this week, I started, I started again kind of working on this First John chapter 4 thing because I issued the challenge and oh my soul, it's hard. You know what I'm saying? This is not easy. I, I got like four verses in in like 40 minutes, and, <laughs> and I, I still couldn't quote it for you right now. It is not easy. But I want to just kind of re-up that challenge, man. Put this in your heart and in your mind. I, I know um, so many of you are like movie buff people like me, and you can walk around quoting movies, can't you? And you just self-implicated, didn't you? You know what I mean? You can watch a movie and memorize all these lines, but come on, this stuff is valuable. It can get in you and work its way out of you and spend some time on this. It will just characterize so much of your life, and um, but that's not really the challenge I wanted to talk to you about today. Um, I, I love to be challenged, or when somebody comes to me like, hey, you should try this, or um, I don't know, I just love pushing the limits on some th- things. And I remember back in my high school days, I was... Um, one of, the, one of the summers that I um, was in high school, I had gone and spent most of my summer in Mexico. That's kind of what I did. And, and so at the end of this trip, we were there. Me and a buddy of mine were there for five, six weeks. And we were just hanging out with this missionary friend of ours doing missionary friend stuff. And um, do, it was just amazing. It was such an experience to characterize my life and, and my youth, my teenage years. But I remember my, my friend Keenan, I've talked about him a lot. My friend Keenan messaged me during our time there, and he was like, hey, our youth group is going on a challenge trip this week of the summer, and I was like, that sounds amazing. I want to go, and it was, to him, it was like a leadership development tool. He was going to use this 
this trip for us to, uh, to, to heighten an element of leadership in our lives. And the challenge part of it was what we were going to climb um, an almost 14,000-foot mountain in, in uh, Colorado. We were going to climb Half Peak. Um, it's called Half Peak because it's literally just like flat plateau at the top, but it was 13,841 feet. 13,841. That's pretty close to 14, or let's just call it 14, okay? Um, and it was, it was such an amazing experience for us. We, I think we took three days to do this, um, parked somewhere, and then just backpacked all the way in. And it was just an amazing experience. Um, looking back on it, it was amazing. During this trip, I hated life itself. I did not like any part of this, but uh, it was it was cold, even though it was in the middle of July. It was freezing cold. In fact, I think it snowed when we were up there. And um, I remember the day that we summited. In other words, you like, you know, you got to camp, and then you summit, and you come right back down to camp. Um, the day we summited, it was pouring down rain. It was super windy, and it was just not fun to be that high up and, and you know, totally exposed. You're way above the tree line. There's no, there's no cover from anything. There was no firewood. There's, there was just, it was just cold. You're just going to be cold until... You weren't, you weren't cold anymore, okay? It was just awful. But I look back on this experience, and I'm like, this was amazing. I'm so glad I did it. I'm so glad for the relationships that we built. I'm so glad I can come here today and tell you guys that I climbed an almost 14,000-foot mountain. I did later on. I climbed Long's Peak also, which was, uh, that one's well over 14,000, so we got that, okay? But it was an amazing experience for me to look back on. I, I love, and we love the idea of like hearing about and being a part of a challenge, something that's harder, that's more difficult than you think you can imagine. Do you, do you realize and understand that the Bible issues some challenges for you to accept? And, and it almost takes your willingness to sign up and say, I will take that challenge. I, t- I want to issue you a challenge today. There's a a principle that we're going to talk about today that at face value, you don't like it, you don't want to understand it, you don't want to step into it with any sense of your life, but it's a challenge that God issues to you, and I want to know if you're up for the challenge. I got two. Anybody else? Like, I'll be honest with you, this one is not easy to receive. It's not at all. At, at face value, we read over this and we're like, oh, that sounds so good, until you begin to like digest and materialize the implications of what Jesus is telling us in this passage today. And uh, maybe it's fitting that we don't have words on the screen. I don't know, but read with me. This is Matthew chapter 5, verse number 38. Jesus says this. He says, you have heard the law that says that punishment must match injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it too. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Here's the problem. We read that passage of scripture and we are literally listening to Jesus. Our interpretation of what he's saying is just let people take advantage of you. Is that not what you guys hear in in that passage? Just let people take everything from you. The reality is that's not what he's saying. The culture in this day, like when he says, the, you know, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it too. It was a literal thing. In, in those days, a soldier could come up to you and demand that you carry his equipment. And you're, by law, by regulation of culture of the day, you were forced, you had to carry that by, for one mile. 
And then he had to find somebody else and carry it, you know, carry whatever. That was their, that was their culture, and so it fit what he was saying. It doesn't make sense to us now. No soldier's going to come up to you and be like, hey, I demand that you do this. No, it doesn't make sense. But that was culture for them at that point. Some of these things we can readily identify with. He goes on. This is just the start. He changes the game again, and he says this. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? For even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're only kind, only to your friends, how different are you from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. This is intense. Like, I don't know about you, but this, I mean, this right here, we're in the heart of the Sermon on the Mount, right? And so these are some of the most famous words that Jesus spoke. He's elevating his uh, position of um, lordship. Up to this point, he's just been the son of a carpenter. That's all he was known by. He's just a carpenter's son. Carpenter's sons do carpenter's son things. They cut wood. They measure stuff. They whatever. They smell like lumber all the time. We're, he's heightening the element. We're moving beyond that. This is, that's not who I am anymore. I am I'm Jesus now. I'm moving into an element of what God called me to do and what, what I'm here to do. And so he is coming in. He, he's got this crowd of people scattered on the side of this mountain, and he's teaching them. This is what, you, this is what you've lived up to this point. And, and I'm here to tell you that things are Things are different. This is a stark contrast from the person that you used to know or the way that you used to live. This was all about his, he's touching on the law. He's connecting the law that we've known and to the grace that you're about to experience. So you have known that it was said, the law said this, but I'm here to tell you that it's not just that, it's actually this. And so you see Jesus like raising the bar of expectation on his people. This isn't about like, no, I'm here to make it easy for you. He's actually saying, I'm here to help you understand the, like, the strictest requirements of the law. This was always there. You just didn't know and understand it to the full extent of what it meant to be lived. And so for you and I, we can, we can understand the whole concept of an eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth. I can get that, right? You don't have very much difficulty being ruthless, do you? Comes pretty easy, doesn't it? Listen, if this is going to work, you're really going to have to work with me on it, okay? need your feedback. The Lord freed his people from slavery that was found in Egypt. But now in this sense, in this culture where Jesus steps into, their, their backs are breaking under the slavery of a law that they can't fulfill. They can't do this. There's no way for these people to actually accomplish what God has set in front of them. Is it, is it not, doesn't it seem to you like it's a little bit ridiculous that God would give people something that they couldn't actually complete? Doesn't it seem a little bit strenuous? I mean, the back-breaking elements of the law, I mean, the, the, the circles that I'm, I'm working with right now, we're reading through the, the Old Testament, the, the whole Bible, in fact, we've been on this trek, and and so all of us, we gather together every Thursday morning to kind of touch base. What, what, have you, what are you seeing right now? What are you recognizing? What's just mesmerizing your mindset about the Word of God? And, and collectively, we're all like, this law is just so intense. It's so ridiculous. You cannot understand it all. 
How, if we can't understand it all, how could these people understand it all and then understand the implications of actually keeping it all? You cannot do it. And, and so we look at that and we're like, you know, we don't really have to understand it all because it doesn't really apply to us anymore. But what I do get is that the Lord actually gifted them an element of something that was so much larger than they could understand. Because even in that, you can see the graciousness of God. At some point during the day, though, and, and without like the constant reminder that, that somebody is giving you to be interested in and to keep upping your challenge, isn't there come a point in your life where you just kind of move on? You just don't, indifference, you know, you just don't care anymore? Yes. Are we tracking? Let me, let me flesh it out like this, okay? Because this happens every day in your life. Um, for, for us, our family, uh, my, uh, we have moved on from adding children to our home. <laughs> Temporarily. <laughs> I, I think, I don't know. See how this goes down. Where's Crystal? I'm about to talk about her. Okay, good. She's over here. All right. Uh, I just want to make sure where I have to ask forgiveness from. <laughs> We've temporarily stopped adding children to our home. And so Crystal, because of Crystal's just loving, na- nurturing heart, she still has to add something, right? So th- every time I turn around, there's a new animal that shows up at our home. <laughs> and it's really getting ridiculous. I just almost loathe this. I'm welcome. How? So we have, um, I don't even know when these, she just like bunnies showed up at our home. And... And they're, I mean, she says they're cute, but, and for a while there, they were just, like, our kids just love this idea of having, having rabbits, and I just detest this, because they, they, um, I have to be really careful how I proceed here, this <laughs> could be so bad for me. So these, the kids were just loving on these rabbits, they just were playing with them, they were just petting them, they just would bring them in, they'd hold them, they just, they're all over the place, they're great, and they leave poop everywhere, and it's so fantastic, and, 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 uh, and like, here we are a couple months later, and like, we never see these rabbits, I'm the one that has to go out and feed these dumb things, jeez, and they're like, is it too cold for them, we should leave them, we should bring them in, I'm like, really, is it though? Like, let's just see how cold they can go. Let's, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it was funny because the, the day, I mean, they suckered me into going to get these things. And, and so, like, we're on our way back, and they're all, like, naming these, you know, dinner treats. And, 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 Grace, and Grayson's like, I'm going to name mine Stew. I'm like, that's a great name, Rabbit Stew. I love it. Like, <laughs> I can get into this, right? <laughs> just, just take this out of the grocery fund, right? <laughs> But, like, don't you see the element of, like, at one point, this was new and fascinating, and I couldn't wait to get up and check on my rabbit, and now it's like, I don't even, I don't even remember that it's there anymore. In fact, this little thing is one of these 57 rabbits, like, we have one per kid, right? And so, <laughs> and so they're like, they've become escape artists, and, I mean, even though this thing is, like, chain-linked in, they find ways to get out, and, and even yesterday, Austin, I was standing at the back window, and here's this rabbit come hopping across the yard, and I'm like, how does this thing happen? Austin's like, let's go out and get him. I'm like, let's not, you know? <laughs> let's see how far I can get. 
We, we just get this element of like, at one point it was, it was amazing and exciting, and now it's like, I don't, need, I don't even care. I, I don't, when's the last time the robin's been fed? Who knows? Listen, unless something changes, unless, unless change comes and the challenge is emphasized, eventually I just forget the challenge. It's just indifferent to me. And so when Jesus comes on this day and he starts speaking this truth and these people are like, this sounds really familiar, but it's not the same. In fact, Jesus is saying, listen, I didn't come to, I didn't come to take the law away. I came to complete the law. I came to fulfill. I am the fulfillment of the law. And this is new and intriguing. And they've just re, he's just brought all these people up to speed because it was like, yes, I know this stuff, but I've just allowed it to just become indifferent and so we look at this stuff and in, in Matthew chapter 5 where he, he talks with all this stuff is familiar to. He starts with the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who and blessed are you that and, and you know this. And all these blessings that he issues on these people. And he transitions into this, uh, you know, this, the city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. The salt and the light idea. And then in, in uh, verse 17 and 18, 17 through 20, he talks about completing the law. And he, he basically says this. Listen, if you don't intend it, to, if you don't intend, intend to complete it, don't even let it come out of your mouth. If you're going to promise something, fulfill your promise. He moves on from there, and he talks about murder, and he says, you know, you have heard that the ancients said, don't murder, but I tell you, if you're even angry with somebody, it's the same as murder. And then we get these cringeable moments like, wow, this is intense. This is way beyond what I thought. You're, you're taking this to a whole nother level. In, in the next passage of Scripture, in the next part of this, he got really personal, and he talked about adultery and divorce. Something that even at that culture and at that day was something that was so relevant and prevalent. It was just part of their culture. And, and you see Jesus just raising this bar up and up and higher and higher. And, and as he goes, it's getting more and more intense. It's intensifying as we go. It's getting closer and closer to home. He's talking about my own life right now. How does he know what I'm dealing with? How does he know the things that I'm choosing in my mind? This is honestly, this is the spot that it's getting way too personal to see what Jesus is doing and to see what he's talking about here. I'm not here, he says this essentially, I'm not here to lower the bar to make it easier. I'm here to raise the bar and make it clearer. This is not going to be easy. Now listen, I need to stop for a minute even though I'm almost out of time. I'm not quite there yet. Um, this is not going to sit well in your gut. What, what the Lord has given me to talk about today, I didn't want to talk to you about today because it's not, it's so difficult. In fact, when it comes to this idea of, of, of uh, when it comes to this idea of loving your enemies and rejecting revenge, this goes so far beyond what you and I can actually, would readily accept on our own. This right here is the truest form of Christ followership. Um, and it's not something that we would actually step into. Let me just take you to this, because I, I read most of Psalms this week, and in Psalms you see this just over and over and over again, because this is kind of our heart attitude. In Psalm 109, David wrote this. He says, God, don't turn a deaf ear to my hallelujah prayer. Liars are pouring out in, 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 invective. 
pouring out invective on me. Their lying tongues are like a pack of dogs out to get me, barking their, their hate, nipping at my heels, and for no reason I, I love them, and, how, and now they slander me. They treat, they treat my prayer and treat my prayer like a crime. They turn my good with evil, and they return my love with hate. And, and listen, this is, this is his, this, so that's his complaint, and now this is his prayer in their direction. Uh, you know, to God about them. He says, send the evil one to accuse my accusing judge. Dispatch, dispatch Satan himself to prosecute him. When he's judged, the verdict will be guilty. And when he prays, let his prayer turn to sin. Give him a short life and give his, give his job to somebody else. This, this is like, we're not even there yet. He says this, listen to this. Make orphans of his children. Dress his wife in widow's weeds. Turn his children into begging street urchins and evict them from their homes. Homeless. May the bank foreclose and wipe him out. Do you think he's mad? Like, like he is vehement about what he's talking about here. This is, isn't this exactly what you and I would pray on behalf of our enemy? Like, get him, God. Let me tell you about all the bad things that they did in my direction. Who in our right mind can take a psalm like this and, and change it around to where Jesus says, listen, I've called you to love your enemy. This person that this prayer is about, I want you to find a way to love that person. I had the same response as you all. I, I can't do this. Don't we just come right up to this limit and, and at one point we're just like, yeah, God, yeah, God, yeah. And then we're like, wait, God, no, I, no, wait a minute. What did we just step right into here? This is so far beyond what I can choose. Up to this point, Jesus was, the law, not Jesus, but the law that we had and understood was based on your own perfection. It was based on you matching and leveling up to what God said was the minimum, the standard. And so all I have to do is worry about me. That's why it makes sense, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Because if you took from me, I want to take back from you. If you, if you robbed something from me, I want to steal something back from you. If you made me hurt, I want to make you hurt. But then how do you keep that under control, actually? Because I don't know about you, because it's not just the element of revenge. It's also like advance. I want to make you pay more. And if you made me hurt, I want to make you hurt more. It doesn't stop. And, and I think that maybe we're, that's not just the fact that Jesus is, is leading us into, because it's like, where does this end? The law was established to point the pathway to perfection. It was, it was there to point you in a direction to say, it's this way, it's in this direction. You'll never get there on your own, but it's in that direction. And, and so I resume the same question. If that was it, if that's what God established, if that's what God gifted before us, and we could never measure up, why would God give it to us? Because even in that, you can recognize the graciousness of God. Because at the very first element of sin in your life, at what point did he stop to say, let's just kill him? They failed. You can see this from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3, where Adam and Eve just, they defied God in, in like defiant disobedience. And at that moment, they should have been killed. And in the, graciousness, in the graciousness of God, he allowed them to continue. 
can you see grace all throughout this law, knowing that even though we can't complete it, he's still sustained us? And isn't us, like, not keeping this law, aren't we making ourselves enemies with God himself? Are you tracking with me with that? Can you see that angle, that line? That's exactly who we are and exactly what we were to do. And life being lived in this element was, was ruthless. And it was based on my own perfection. I don't care about anyone else as long as I can measure up to what God has for me. In Hebrews chapter 7, which I told you we were going to be all over the map today. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 18, he says this. The old requirement about the priesthood was set aside because it was weak and useless. When he says that, the old requirement of the priesthood, he's talking, he's, it's another way for saying the law, okay? In verse number 19, he says, he actually says that. He says, for the law never made anything perfect. It was our pursuit of perfection, but it could never get us there. The law never made anything perfect, but now you are, it, we have confidence in a better hope through which we draw, we draw near to God. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth became an element for me to demonstrate to the world around me that I'm better than them. Let me point out their defiance. Let me describe and demonstrate their sinfulness. All, all the while, and in the same way, we're, that, we're the same person on the other side of the map. I didn't care about anyone else, including my enemies, because the whole world couldn't keep the law. All I had to talk about and think about was my own effort. And then Jesus shows up and becomes this global cure for imperfection of the law. He's going to satisfy a greater fault. And here's you and I standing on the fringes, praying this Psalm 109 over the enemies that I'm envisioning. And we know that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. And how many scripture, how many Bible verses can you think of where the Lord talks about annihilating our enemies? And you're like, yeah, God, yeah. And we have this vision. I mean, how many of you have envisioned the Lord himself standing next to you just annihilating your enemy? And then he comes to say this. He says, I came to fulfill the law. And you're like, now they're going to get theirs, right? This is it. This is the big moment. This is the moment where, like, the Lord is going to establish his rule he's gonna he's gonna take care of my enemy and he does take care of them and he crawls on a cross and then he dies for them you guys understood that you didn't see that like as a surprise you knew that was coming right you knew that was coming here's the here's the trouble i see with this let me ask you this question does restitution need to be made for what was stolen out of your life does it need to be made you know the eye for an eye the tooth for a tooth does it need to be made Y'all are shaking your heads no, but the answer is actually yes. If something's been stolen from your life, it needs to be returned. It's part of the law. The problem is, is that we take this so much farther than it should be taken. I, I mean, isn't it realistic that in some cultures, if you're a thief, your hands get cut off? Isn't that still a practice today? So it's still there. We still see it. We still understand it. problem is is that the Lord takes this in, in such an angle that you and I can't even begin to imagine because here's the thing 
because they're my enemy. And I know that I have a relationship with God, and they're my enemy. I know that the Lord is standing right next to me, fighting on my behalf. Right? Now here's, here's where it gets really complicated. Because if that person's a Christ follower too, isn't he standing right next to them also? And here's the other reality, is that at some point in your life, aren't you someone else's enemy? And if they're praying the same prayer, Psalm 109, that you're praying over them, are, are, what, where, do we, where do we stop with this? You see, the, the, the difficulty that we get when we look at this is that we look at this passage through a militaristic terminology. When he talks about enemy, we envision armies. And what actually is, is that these enemies are so much closer to home than you can imagine. Hebrews chapter 9, whoever the author of Hebrews is said this, he said, just as each person is destined to die once and after this comes the judgment, so also Christ was offered one time for all as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people and he will come again not to deal with our sins but to bring salvation to all. All who eagerly await for him, even our enemies. Listen, I talked with a friend of mine this week, and uh, he described to me a situation that's unfolding, unfolding in his life about an enemy. And he even used that language. His, he actually talked about his enemy being his ex, his ex-wife. And I'm like, well, there's the situation right there, perfectly played out, where his enemy is literally trying to not just wreck some things of his life, but literally ruin his life. And you hear a, a, a message like this, and you're like, how are you supposed to love that person? How are you supposed to do what Jesus is asking us to do here? How, how is this, you know, you're, there's so many examples that you could, you could play into this. Every one of them has to do with a relationship. Because that's what this is. It's all about people. It's people against people. You all have some sort of enemy. And honestly, this, this is where... Um, changes everything like if we if we could actually get to a spot where we could comply with the grace of God in this principle alone everything looks different it looks different in your life it looks different in the life of this person that you call evil listen I, I wish that I could actually fill in the, the, the gap the ramifications of what but literally i mean what does jesus say in this passage matthew chapter 5 he says this love your enemy love your neighbor and hate your enemy but i say love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you and in that way you will be acting as true children from your father in heaven and listen to this verse for he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. 
If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. Do you, do you see what he's saying? He's literally saying, my blessing falls on all people everywhere. Even if you're not saved, even if you're not one of his own, the goodness and grace of God affects you somehow too. And so shouldn't it come from us also? Listen, here's the challenge. As we started this with a challenge. The challenge is just saying, God, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to look at that person in my life and say, I'm going to bless them. Some of you have some very big and ugly and pervasive enemies. Listen, this takes the hand of God himself to come in. This is where, you know, we look at this element of the law and Jesus is not saying, I came to make it easier. But he did say, I came to give you help. I came to help you do this alongside of you. God, I want to just pray over this day. Lord, I, I realize that uh, a, a message and an element like this is so difficult to receive. And God, we're left with so many questions about what do we do with it? How do we handle it? How do we process this, God? And Lord, so for every um, wound that's just kind of been uncovered again today, Lord, because of a passage of scripture like this, Lord, I pray that you would just help the, this, your church, to be able to process through the realities of loving people that we would look at and say are detestable. The worst of the worst, how do we do this, God? Lord, you said you'd help us to get through it. And so I ask that you would help this church to be able to love these people, these enemies of their lives. In Jesus' name, amen.